Hello, and welcome to another broadcast of Your Culture Hour. My name is Shelley Smith, your founder, and I do everything to do with workplace culture. And remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every single day. Today, let's get at it. We've got an amazing guest on here today. And I recently did a call out for one of my Forbes articles, and I got some amazing responses. And because of that, I just wanted to grab a few of the folks and bring them on the Culture Hour so you could hear their story more intimately and a little bit more information that's allowed to go on the Forbes article. So please welcome today um, the president and the founder of New Frontiers, Daniel Koffler. Did I say that right? Yep. Koffler. All right. Daniel provides an overall strategic direction in the short and the long-term planning agenda as well, overseeing the financial, the marketing, the business development aspects of the business. Um, specifically, he is the executive functioning coaching organization. Let me, let me restate that. New Frontiers is an executive functioning coaching organization. New Frontiers provides academic, social, and uh, transactional vocational support to students with a range of abilities and interests, allowing them to maximize their potential and successfully become independent and self-advocating adults. After the sale of the majority of the assets of Met Schools, his family's education business, Daniel's focus moved to special education practice within Met Schools portfolio. This includes, or including, the Aaron School, as well as the Rebecca School. And I will include those links for those of you uh, who can go um, on the podcast and look in the content of the link in those schools as well. This ultimately is what led the founding of New Frontiers itself. In response to the reoccurring patterns of students with or without learning differences, transitioning to college and or those uh, out of post high school or life experiences without leaving fully prepared for the new expectations assigned to them at the next stage of their life. New Frontiers, new frontiers individualizes coaching models and works on the how to address the initial challenges of establishing strategies for success while ultimately reducing our presence in the equation as a self-advocacy and skills improve. And that is how they become continually reliant on their coach, not become continually reliant on their coach, but rather the responsibility to shift into the individual receiving uh, support itself. Daniel is also a member of the Young Presidents uh, Organization, the YPO, for many of you who have heard that acronym, excuse me, and holds BS in administration, <coughs> excuse me, with a concentration in marketing from George Washington University. He's also, <coughs> goodness, he's also married with three children, including a set of twins, which I'm sure that gives you a whole nother uh, set of education. So welcome today, Daniel. We thank you for what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about New Frontiers, and then uh, we're gonna really dive in to the questions that I asked you on the Forbes article and kind of set the stage um, for the reason why I even asked the question. So anything you want to say more about New Frontiers? Yeah, you know, and thank you again for having me and thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, it might be helpful just to, to kind of clarify the, you know, there's a lot of words in the bio. In simple terms, uh, what we do is we support 
individuals, um, predominantly but not exclusively young adults, adolescents, young adults, who are transitioning between different stages of academia. And through those transitions, the expectations that society has of people uh, kind of increase and the level of support decreases. And it tends to lead to a lot of stumbles, some of which are, I think, very natural and part of the part of growing up and part of kind of transitioning to adulthood. Others, I think, are a little bit gratuitous and, um, and don't really add a lot to the equation. They add a lot of negative impacts, anxiety, depression, um, lack of, of forward progress. And we, just as an organization, don't feel that that is the best way to see people kind of move forward. So we want to support them in that process, um, wherever they are in their process. And it could, again, a student, it could be an adult, it could be folks transitioning through academia or through the workforce or life challenges. Um, but in essence, you know, there's a lot, the idea of coaching, um, I think is misunderstood in a lot of aspects outside of yeah. athletics. And it looks very similar to that in academia or in life supports. I think it's just kind of viewed as a, a weakness or a crutch or one that we're supposed to be able to kind of power through, which I think is um, incorrect. And so we dedicate our time, we've been doing this for eight years now, to support those individuals with whatever you know, unconventional learning styles they may come to the table with to develop systems that will allow them to be successful through their own means. No, I love that. I think that is uh, is definitely needed. And you're right. The the coaching element is overused, improperly used, and misunderstood. So I completely agree and appreciate uh, a little bit of clarity around that. So let me um, let me also clarify the reason why you're on here today. And what my ask was, I keep I keep talking about the Forbes article. So I had reached out to find out because I knew there were companies out there. Uh, as outside of my client base that are spending more on training and development or leaning into their culture workplace even harder now, especially during COVID and the, the crisis that is happening all over the world and definitely impacting us in different ways. And Daniel was one who responded and he gave some really great examples and I just thought we should unpack them and take a little bit deeper dive into them. So, you know, I'm just going to read some of the questions that I had asked you, Daniel, and then you can just kind of expand, you know, expand upon them. So one of the things that we talked about, and again, this is all about the impact and the spending and the focus and the intentionality inside of workplace culture was I asked if you had increased spending in your workplace culture over the last 90 days? And if so, what did you do specifically? So why don't you expand upon the answer that you gave me? Yeah, so the, we're, we're based in New York City. I, mean, I should preface with that. So, you know, while everybody is, I think, dealing with the effects of COVID and, you know, and it's serious and we take it very seriously, certainly. And now, of course, with, you know, the protests going on, like New York has been impacted by this, um, it seems, you know, more directly and more, more kind of, you know, implicitly than other areas, just because of the density of the neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, so we haven't been together as a staff since um, I think I left the city on March 12th. So I haven't seen my staff. We've been we've been communicating, you know, certainly quite a bit, and that's kind of part of the part of the process here. Um, so when we before COVID, we embarked on a process um, to kind of reorganize how we operate our business. Um, it's taken from uh, it's the book Traction, you may have heard of it before, by Gina Wickman. So it, yes. it, it kind of describes the EOS, the entrepreneurship I love it. Mm -hmm. operating system. I had never heard of it um, I had until you know, about a year ago, and then I heard about it somewhere between six to 10 times from people who I trusted 
who I um, very ignorantly disregarded because I didn't want to do the extra work, simply put. And eventually, I don't know what it was, but somebody somehow got in my ear um, and said, you should really read this. And I finally said, fine, I'll read it. <laughs> While I was doing that, I was also um, realizing that I, as a leader, needed to do more to kind of like bring this, bring, it started with an operating kind of concept. The culture came after. Um, and I had a business coach who informed me that this is like a very critical part of like the crux of how we do things within you know, their approach. So after reading the book, I was just so impressed with how digestible it was and how easy it is with someone explaining how. How do you tactically yeah. do these things? Which yeah. is very similar to how we work with our students in terms of like the question of how do we do this stuff? I think that's kind of the missing link in a lot of these, these kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. So um, we, when I started to realize like, what's involved with this, we, we began to, you know, certainly we brought on consultants who walked us through how to go. And this was not just, I had my own coach and I had a, we had a coach for the whole team. And it's, it's an ongoing process. We actually are re-meeting with our, with our, our, our coach leader um, this week to kind of do our quarterly review. Um, it took a while to get people to buy into it. And frankly, I was the most gung-ho about it. And then once I realized what was involved and what I had to kind of like transparency-wise and like how that impacts things, I was a little bit reluctant to take those steps. But my staff had already bought in and they wouldn't let me get, they wouldn't let go of the issue. So I had no choice. Mm-hmm. So kind of, it was a push and pull in both directions for quite a while until now. Hey, no, let me have, stop you for a second. You said it took a while. Can you, can you tell us what a while is? Yes. So um, we started this process. We started the conversation in September, 2019. Okay. And we, um, we are in the, we have, we are in, I think the first quarter right now still. Like in terms of the process, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sports analogy process. So we have, since COVID kicked in, we've had to significantly, you know, kind of increase our learning curve with how mm-hmm. to apply these skills, mm-hmm. both from an internal hiring process and external hiring process, um, systems and policies and operational pol- you know, process. It, without, without having that, that kind of shaky foundation in place when COVID kicked in, I don't know, be, I'm not sure we would have been able to been as successful with this as we've been through this period. And I will tell you that as a result of that work and where we've gone to where we are today, where we're going with this, the company's no question that we're not turning back. This has to be like a foundational part of how we do things. It's we've just we've seen too much. Like we're, we're we've been take, we've taken whichever pill you've taken the matrix. We took the pill that we're out of the matrix. Mm-hmm. So you know, like we know we now know too much. Like we can't be willfully ignorant anymore. And it's uh, it's hard work. Yeah. But it's it's fascinating and you know my you know my leadership is a part of it it's very much so the team buying into it um and running with it and kind of and, and making sure that it, it trends downward to like every level of the organization which is happening um i wouldn't say happened yet i don't think it ever kind of is finished yeah um, and it's certainly not in our case yet. yeah no you you said a lot of key points inside of that so you know, most leaders, <clears throat> most managers, I, I think they're not on the cusp of leadership when they're still on the managing piece, but are, don't allow their, uh, their fear and their transparency to not overtake them in order to allow that bottom up. So you talked about the bottom up that you weren't comfortable, but your team bought into it so much that they got you on board. And I find that very interesting. And I applaud you for that. I love that on so many levels. So, you know, it, is there, for the people that are listening and watching, how did you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? 
and allow them to kind of get you on board because it's typically a top down and you, you took the bottom up and I love that. And I wanted to shout that out. So I'm blessed with a very well-educated cerebral staff, you know, a, you know, team. Um, so they have a really good ability. Once they understand the concept that I'm trying to communicate, which I sometimes struggle with, but they are very good at interpreting my intentions. They're able to communicate it in a way that, that, um, for me, that I can kind of re-digest and regurgitate, which is kind of what happened um, in, in simple terms. And then, you know, once I started to see the, the positive, it, I guess the benefits greatly outweigh the costs is the short story. So if the concern is transparency around financials or policies that may have a negative impact on the people who are helping to define them, mm -hmm. if they're being asked to, um, the benefit of having them have input and agency in those conversations greatly outweighs you know, my concern about them seeing numbers, which I don't have a really concern about. It's, it's their organization too. Um, I'm very aware. And I don't, I, they don't tell me, I tell them, like, I'm nothing without you guys. Like, I might have certain skills that lend itself to, you know, helping us move forward with our mission and our strategy, but I can't do this alone. And not only can I do it alone, I can't do it without these particular people. I, I really believe that. We've been lucky because we didn't have any kind of processes or any kind of formal culture, cultural perspective when we first started hiring and kind of building our team, we just got lucky that like kind of what I'm now realizing is the way just happens to be kind of like a good foundation that I've borrowed enough from just from mm -hmm. like looking around and reading. Mm -hmm. um, and they've now, they have, they're, they're taking it forward uh, in a really meaningful way. Clearly you have a shared leadership style. Um, and again, I praise you for that. Your, your language is, is the they and the we and the us and you know, there is that bottom line intentionality that maybe you, you didn't realize you were being intentional during your hires, but clearly you have been very intentional. So again, I applaud you for that. Um, a couple of things I want to back up. The book traction that you're referring to, just again for listeners, there's four elements that every business has, and it's one of people, cash, execution, and, and I want to uh, underline strategy, and I want to underline the, the people part. You know, everything about the other three elements of business starts with, begins with, and is the middle. It has to do with people, thus the culture side of this, which is why I'm not just passionate, but I'm obsessed with workplace culture. So what, what are some of the big aha moments that you've had and or that you've seen your team has had through leaning into traction, through leaning into COVID, the crisis, the protests, and the elements that you're seeing the shifts because you talk about the shifts that you had so what are some of the big aha awakening moments if if there have been some there's two there's two specific ones i would say communication generally speaking as a concept and and core values and i'm not sure which one comes first um it's there's a lot of chicken and egg stuff with this in yes. my view um the core values piece is interesting I've heard these terms, I've, I've read the management books, I've gone to school, I, you know, I, I understand that these are things that people who are really successful have been touting for a long time. Um, I was not trained that way. Um, I, you know, and so it took me a long time to kind of come out of my shell and kind of like be comfortable relearning this stuff while operating the business. I think that's a bit of a, a, tricky, a, a tricky dance to do sometimes. Um, the core values thing took a long time for us. We only recently, you know, through the COVID, period of time got that to a place that we were comfortable with, you know, where we all agreed on the intentionality of the words we're using and specific language we're using. 
um, that was something that you know I was expected to, and I did kind of you know put forth, and then. But I wanted buy-in. I needed buy-in um, because it's it's our core values as an organization that informs. It basically, it, it, I, I relearned that that informs everything about the organization. Like we do what we do, and we sell it how we sell it, and so that's kind of like the front-facing piece of it, and that's fine, and it has to be done a certain way. But the core values in terms of who we want to surround ourselves with, who we want to work with, both internally and externally, I just never appreciated how important that is. And when I look back and think about the folks who didn't work out, both as clients and as members of our team, I realized that's the missing piece. It, had we had that established and gone through our own rubric with that, it would have clearly not, not passed the, the sniff test. So that's been really important. We first tested that out during the COVID period. We've been lucky enough to continue our business virtually for the most part and to both elevate certain people and bring on new people to the team to kind of help with that effort in the last three months, which has been, which is just extraordinary in my view. Um, and I'm really, you know, really excited about it. That one of the people who we, who, and we, you know, the truth of the matter is like, we looking at this one person, we knew that she had what it takes to be elevated, but going through the process, it was just, it felt good to be able to apply it to somebody who, and it wasn't like, you know, like a, a false positive, like we knew the answer already going into it, but it was, it was nice to be able to apply this to a person who was going to take an elevated role at the table um, and realize that yes, it does check the boxes. Even though we kind of thought it does, it, she really does. She gets it, she wants it, she has the capacity for it. You know, kind of going through all those efforts um, was very, very interesting to me, very kind of rewarding to me. Um, the communication piece is another area that due to my previous training, I've always been like a head down, do your work kind of guy, right? I'm, I'm thriving in, frankly, in lockdown because I can get my work done in that regard, right? With the exception of the kids and, and, you know, and the other part of the equation, which is that we've set up a series of meetings so that, you know, for every different department, finance, marketing, sales, operations, on top of our level 10, like our, our, our organizational meeting every week. So even though we don't um, see each other physically as much anymore right at the moment, um, we see quite a bit of each other. And that's just that I'm involved with. My team has a series of other meetings at a level down that they, to, to continue to kind of strengthen the foundations there. So the communication piece is something that took me a little bit of time to kind of get out of my shell where I was thinking, look, like it's my decision, it's my answer, like you'll get the information when it comes to you versus actually making sure I get buy-in to something that's gonna require other people to, to carry forward. Um, it, it's, I still struggle with it, I'll be honest. I still struggle, it's a time commitment, it's just, I get distracted easily, um, but I work on it, A, because I know it's important, B, because my staff, I think um, I value the time with them, their perspective is critical. Um, and so I guess those are the two kind of main reasons with communication. So we're, and, and they also are very, they're much better at it than I am, they're just better communicators. So kind of, in some cases I sit back and like, I watch them, I, I'm paying attention, I'm listening, another skill that I've been working on. Um, to this whole process. So those two things have, I think, had made a, made a vast impact, positive impact on our uh, the culture of the organization, how people understand it. Instead of it just being something that I think, it actually, we live it yeah. more. Yeah, no, I absolutely love all of those things. You've given a lot of uh, great tips and, you know, I, I'll laugh and say the check's in the mail to you because you've hit on everything that I, I like to lean into and definitely the shared leadership piece, the communication piece, obviously the core value piece, 
you know, these are things that the viewers and listeners know that I am completely obsessed with helping companies create their culture playbooks, which help them define those boundaries that you've talked about around the values and the litmus test. Um, making sure that there are amazing human beings that are out there, but every human being is not set inside of every single organization and team. And having that better understanding intentionally, deliberately, in order to bring people in, on top of your comments around transparency, things that you're working on as a leader, and of course, the almighty shared leadership. So I love all of those, those tidbits you've given us today. You know, the one of the questions that I had sent out was about how much or what you're doing differently from a training and a development standpoint. And I think you've like hit on a lot of those things indirectly and directly. But as we go into a wrap up, are there any things that I didn't ask you that I thought that you thought I was going to ask or that you want to talk about or share? And then we'll put a wrap on today's segment. Yeah, well, I mean, so, um, by the way, this is excellent. I, six months ago, maybe three months ago is even a more appropriate term, considering kind of where we've been sitting for the last three months, I would not have been as comfortable talking about this stuff or as kind of eloquent if I've been. Um, so this is not rehearsed. This is, the reason why this is kind of so comfortable and easy for me is because I, I truly believe it, um, which is fascinating for me to think about just where I was not too long ago. I guess one point to, for, just for folks who, who, are, who are leading organizations or who are running divisions, don't misunderstand like this this, this 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 sounds very it can sound very like, kind of like flowery and it, it's intended to but it's still my organization and what i mean by that is like i still have to make very difficult decisions that cut against the grain of what might you what might one might what one might think in line with like all this kind of like you know kumbaya kind of stuff um we strive for that but it doesn't always work right and this is a process that you know, I think we've hit 80% in terms of like going through our issues on a weekly basis. We've hit, we've, we've hit or exceeded 80% of like completion through our meetings once. We've been doing this for like six or eight months. So we have a long way to go. There's no question about it. Sometimes these conversations end in, you know, frustration where I don't, I don't talk to my team for the rest of the day. And I call them the next morning and I apologize. Or I guess, it, it, you know, there's been tears. There, it is this kind of stuff is is not it, it forces you to dredge up all of what's been squashed down yeah um, and address it so yeah. it's not easy to do um and it and it's not okay to attempt and fail and try again like that that's i think that that's part of the process for us we've been lucky enough to be able to kind of like power through with this and, and make real meaningful progress but end of the day there's still situations where all the signs point to like the process and i still have to make a decision that goes completely counter to it and deal with the consequence of that. That's just, the leadership is not changed by that. I still have to make, like, the toughest decisions still come to my desk. Um, and I know that there's a thousand that get made that my staff handles that I don't have to hear about, which is mm -hmm. incredible, but mm -hmm. I still hear about plenty. And like, that doesn't go away. So just understand that like it's, there's no, running a business is still running a business, you know, and building yeah. a business that has like, a really strong culture internally um, is, is, is an effort in and of itself, separate from running the business. Um, but combined with. So it's, it, there's levels to this stuff. Um, and I would encourage anybody who's interested in this to not be discouraged. It sounds easy for me to say now because I'm doing it, but if I can do this, I, I promise you that the next person can do this. I had a lot of unlearning to do 
Um, and I had to do it pretty fast because I was looking straight in the eyes of people who um, expected me to be able to do it faster than I really kind of was comfortable doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, the crisis, um, any crisis either lifts us up and uh, we, we rise to the occasion or we fold down and we go into a shell and we become frozen and sometimes don't recover. So, you know, I guess my last question, I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it. Um, can you imagine going into uh, COVID and the protest without starting this back in September and having the team and yourself do? Where, where do you think you would be now if you had not chosen to lean into your culture? Literally, I'd be the example that you just gave, the latter of the examples. I would be hiding under my desk, doing everything possible to avoid difficult conversations, um, both you know, in terms of like everything from PPP you know, related yeah. conversations to yeah. you know, what's the marketing angle this month. Kind of, I, I just, it's just too many words. It's too annoying. There's too many distractions. You know, you know, the city is you know, not what it used to be. Like all these different emotions. People have all the different reactions to it. Yeah. This process allows people to at least have, have a venue to kind of vent those things if they need to, and also to refocus it on like, guys, we have work to do. Like yeah. you have to kind of be respectful of both of those things. Like I understand yeah. my staff has their, their, everyone has their own interpretation and their own kind of challenges with the situation at hand. We have to be respectful as leaders of that, um, but we also have to get our work done. So, and I think it's in that order. And yeah. I think by doing it in that order, it gives people space to just like, you know, shield. Like, I'm struggling with this this week. I'm having a problem with that this week. Let's address that. Let's get some work. We'll feel better about all these things as a result. Love it. Daniel, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, I applaud not only New Frontiers, but I applaud you and your team, everything that you've done. And of course, I love it as a culture curator that you're doing all of these things. So bravo to you. Um, in the notes and the comment pieces of whether you're looking at this on YouTube or any of your podcasts, you will absolutely see uh, a couple. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll list the traction book just so you know how you can grab that because it is a great book. Um, I'm actually, uh, Daniel, just on a side note, I'm a strategic partner for the local EO chapter here. So, um, you know, it was one of the things that I think I've been with them for maybe three years. And uh, one of the first things that I saw was that they were using that book. And I was like, ah, I love it. Um, so I totally get that and was surprised when you said that. I shouldn't have been because you're YPO, but I was. So I, I love that. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you again, Daniel, uh, for you, your team, and all that you do. And remember, building your culture, defining it, building it, and maintaining it is far less stressful and costly than going into repair mode. So if you haven't thought about that today, think about that. Culture matters. It starts with people. It starts with you, each and every one of us. Stay tuned for the next edition of the Culture Hour. Until then, be safe and be well. Thank you for joining me and another guest for the Culture Hour. If you want to go back to past episodes, make sure you follow the podcast on any of your favorite apps and devices. If you're looking for a daily dose, a little short snippet, then all you need to do is hop over to the other podcast called Your Morning Commute. Thank you again for tuning in. If you're looking for questions, other speakers, more topics, by all means, reach out. Shelly at PremierReport.com.
Remember, culture isn't built in a day. Culture is built every day. Are you spending your money and your time and energy on repairs? Are you spending your time and your energy defining and maintaining? Be safe out there.